I think it's also interesting. The Connecticut sun, obviously a very warm place. And Minnesota Lynx, you know, it's pretty cold there. It's pretty cold in Minnesota, so I want the win for them. Huge. That, that's, a, that's an interesting reason for wanting a team to win. Kilda and welcome to WNBA, the only WNBA podcast to be recorded more than 7,000 miles from where the action is actually happening, right here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. This week is our first bonus playoff episode where we will cover the games that have been played and we'll also share one high, one low and something we each didn't know. It'll still be from our completely ill-experienced perspectives and I am still joined by my equally unlearned co-host, Daniel Morden-Chong. Nice to be here. Nice to know that I haven't been replaced. Yeah, I thought about it, but you know what? I think this is going pretty well. Do you have the authority to replace me on this podcast? Yeah. To, for those who want a bit of behind-the-scenes action, Daniel is very much behind the production of this podcast. <laughs> so, Yeah, we're, we're trying to train SMA up onto the editing and the recording of this. So maybe after you get trained up in that, you can replace me easily. Yeah, yeah that's the plan. So we recorded our last episode a couple of days ago. What's been going on since then, Daniel? Well, after the recording last time, we had a bit of a exciting afternoon, didn't we? It's a very dramatic evening following the podcast. So we recorded the podcast about one, two o'clock? Yep. And then we went rock climbing, which was really fun. Yep, Daniel got his shorts on for that. Yeah, I did get my shorts on for that. I, I did all right. Um, Esme did well as usual, but... But it was great. It was, it was really fun. And then we were coming back and we went to my house. Yeah, and, and then we all waved down because there was a fire and a garage next door. Yep. And what happened after that? Well, um, Esme, what, you, you drove your car over some debris? Yep. Yeah, that was pretty dramatic. I was a complete liability. But just so far, we want the listeners at home to know that Daniel Mordentrong put out the fire. Absolutely. Got the fire extinguisher out from my former flat, Esme's current flat. Got the fire extinguisher out and hosed it down and was really fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I, 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 never, I was never a kid who wanted to be a firefighter, but... In that moment, I thought, maybe I could make a living out of this. Yeah, so normally we bring you an update from Daniel's learning to play basketball, but a little bit different this week. Daniel on the fire extinguisher, and it sounds like you were better at that than basketball. Yeah, we're actually putting a um, women's firefighting championship <laughs> podcast out next. Yeah, that's our off-season podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a pretty big exciting time. Hopefully it won't be as dramatic. I am actually going rock climbing after this recording, but hopefully that is where the similarities will end after <laughs> last week's one. Uh, but we're, glad, we're grateful to be here. As always, grateful to be on team with Daniel Mordenchong um, in fires and outside of fires. And yeah, we've been watching a lot of the games these last few days. We've just finished watching the Liberty versus the Mystics, which was an epic game that we'll cover soon. Yeah, but first huge. of all, a game from earlier this week. Yeah, the Sun and the Lynx. Great game. I watched the replay of this, parts of the replay of this, and all the highlights of this. It was quite early in the morning, wasn't it? Yeah, to be fair, that game was played in 5 a.m. New Zealand time. Yeah, and I hadn't had quite had time to catch up on all of it. But I did I did look um, quite a lot at the score lines, did a lot of research into it, and did watch um, a lot of the replay. And so the Lynx beat the Sun, 82-75. to The Lynx coming back from their 30-point loss in yeah. game one. And that was against the official WNBA podcast prediction, wasn't it? We, we predicted that to be a sweep from the Sun. We did. We did. And and so we're already wrong on the first <laughs> count. Pretty much the only game... Oh, did we say Aces play earlier? 
The Aces played afterwards. So so yeah, yeah. so the, the the game directly after we made the predictions already disproved us. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, we do say it's a little experience perspective, and sometimes that does that does show. Um but Daniel, you did make one correct prediction, which was in our last podcast you spoke about and the the Lynx's first game, their shooting not being up to their usual standard. And was that changed this game? Yeah, absolutely. The the Lynx obviously shot shot a lot better. Um, than last time, and that that showed with the Lynx winning this game. It was a really really tight game. Both teams looking quite equally matched, and an extremely physical battle. I'm um, surprised there weren't more more injuries. Mm, and a really down to the wire game. A really important game for the Lynx. Obviously, not wanting to get swept out in the first round. So obviously, they would have been playing hard. And the Sun, who actually just won Coach of the Year, also coming out strong. Yeah, it was very much a four woman game. The two players on either team dominating. For the Lynx, Collier and McBride scored 54 points in total out of the 82 team points. Whereas for the Sun, um, Dewana Bonner and Alyssa Thomas scored 50 points in total of their 72, 75 team points. Wow, so a bit of 2v2 two, two two action. Yeah, absolutely. And if you watch the, even the highlights, you can see how much of that is dominated by those four players. Mm. It was really a back and forth match between the two. All four players scoring pretty much at ease. And mm. so it was a really, really interesting and really exciting game to watch. That's so great. And what's next for those two teams? So it goes to game three in Minnesota tomorrow. Uh, well, tomorrow New Zealand time, 12 p.m., which will be an absolute gauntlet. I'm so excited to watch that. I'm, I'm putting that on my calendar, and I will be watching that whole game and reporting back. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Daniel and I actually usually have a meeting on Thursdays at 12 p.m. New Zealand time, so it sounds like it'll be on my calendar as well, that one. We might have to switch some things up. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> we're, we're two out of the three people on that meeting, so it sounds like democracy will rule in that. And we'll be watching the game. Yeah, it's a good thing that the other person who's in the meeting with us never listens to these podcasts. Yeah, 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 so. yeah don't tell her about this one. <laughs> and we both say that we've got stomach flu tomorrow off this meal that Daniel made us. I think that's one of the interesting things about this playoff format, where the first two games are played in the home stadium of the higher-seeded team, but then the third one goes to the lower-seeded team. So actually, you get this funny momentum shift where the Lynx, who were looking at being one down in the series, all of a sudden have the deciding match at their home. And, and have w- just won the most recent game. Yeah, absolutely. So we see like quite a big momentum shift there. So both teams with a lot to play for. Yeah, who do you want to win? Who do you think? Oh, it's a good question. I think both teams are in somewhat of a similar situation where clearly they've got a couple of really good players, but they're still working out the future of their franchise and where they go from there. I think oh, it's hard. It's always good to see a team win at home in a deciding game. So that'd be pretty exciting to see for Minnesota if they get that. It would be pretty gutting for the Sun if they do lose that game, but it'll get, give them time to think about their offseason and how they come back next year. Yeah, I don't have a horse in the race, yeah. but I do love the Minnesota Lynx branding. They do a really good job of branding, I reckon. Mm, what do you like about it? I think it's just the, the colors yeah. and the yeah. kind of consistency. I, I know we don't like to talk about MNBA here, but I do like how the MNBA team and the WNBA team yes. have quite a nice consistency to it. Like They've kind of gone for like kind of brother and sister team kind of vibe, which I think is a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A few other teams they have there are, of course, the LA Sparks and the Lakers and the the Phoenix teams as well do have some commonalities. But yeah, that that is really cool. That's that's quite a fun part of it. I think it's also interesting, the Connecticut Sun, obviously a very warm place, and Minnesota Lynx, you know, it's pretty cold there. It's pretty cold in Minnesota, so I want the win for them. Huge. That's that's an interesting reason for wanting a team to win. But anyway, um, Esme, do you want to tell us about the Aces and the Sky? 
I do. So that game was played directly after the Sun versus the Lynx game. That was at 7 a.m. New Zealand time. So it was a bit easier to watch that game. And the Aces won 92 to 70. So they were pretty decisive. They, I think the Sky actually managed to win the last quarter. But apart from that, they had, they had the lead for pretty much all of the game. They played really well. Asia Wilson showed why she's an MVP candidate, scoring 38 points. She was pretty on fire and pretty unstoppable. One cool thing is that we got to see a bit more play from the Aces bench. We saw Alicia Clark, who had just won the sixth player of the year, scoring 14 points over 23 minutes that she played. We saw Kirsten Bell play 10 minutes and Sydney Colson playing for four minutes. So cool to see them playing more of their bench and seeing some other players that if the Aces make a deep run in this playoffs, that once they need to start playing other players, cool to see who they've got. Yeah, that's a really, really show of force from the Aces there dominating that game and dominating yeah. the series as a whole. Yeah, and this guy had good moments. Carly Copper played a really good game. She got 25 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 assists. It's a shame we won't be seeing any more of her, but apart from her, I'd say it was, it was a pretty convincing win for the Aces. That's awesome. Anything else you want to say about this matchup, Esme? Just that I think the Chicago Sky, it, it was always going to be a huge uphill battle coming from the 8th seed in order for them to get past the Aces. And they've got a really important off-season coming up, a t- chance for them to regroup, decide what's next for their franchise. And I think that will be quite a good thing to keep an eye on. Awesome. Well, let's move on to the next matchup, the game we just watched, the Liberty and the Mystics, where Ooh. what a close game. Super close game. Went to Fire. overtime, was extremely close to even get to overtime. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And at one point, the Liberty had an 11-point lead. Yeah, but the Mystics always managed to keep them pretty well in sight. Even at that 11-point lead stage, I feel like the Mystics always had their eyes on them. Um, Natasha Cloud played extremely well. Yeah, she, she played very, very well. She had 33.6 rebounds, 9 assists, and 4 steals, which is a ridiculous scoreline. Yeah, it's massive. Particularly those 4 steals, and those steals were very cool to watch as well. They were often in very clutch moments. Yeah, I think, I'm just trying to remember, I think that was Natasha Cloud who scored that reverse layup underneath or well, through Jonquil Jones and Brianna Stewart at the rim. That was impressive as. Yeah, yeah. and Daniel loves Jonquil Jones. Anyone who can get past her has his respect. Uh, absolutely. We, we actually haven't said what the score was for this one. Oh, of course, yeah. I feel like that's almost beside the point because it was such a close game. The, the final score for this was 90-85. The Liberty won in overtime. Even before it got to overtime, that fourth quarter was super dramatic. It sw- swung both ways. And there was a good more than three minutes that the Liberty managed to stop the Mystics scoring. That was right towards the end of the game. Um, and that was till I think it was Brittany Sykes managed to get a massive three-pointer with 30 seconds to go, kind of ending that little bit of a route for the Mystics. Sabrina Unescu missed two free throws uh, with about 12 seconds to go. And that was when the Liberty were two points down. So that was also a huge moment. Luckily, Daniel's favorite player, John Quill Jones, swung to the rescue and got the rebound and the point on that one. So the Liberty managed to keep out of um, out of just big drama there. Yeah, the Liberty, so the Liberty one playing the best game. Brianna Stewart came up with 27 points, nine rebounds, and two assists, who was the leading scorer for the team. Mm. But yeah, it didn't look very convincing. Looked really sloppy towards the end for the Liberty. Yeah. I thought um, a lot of turn, a lot of unnecessary turnovers, yes. a lot of turnovers you don't usually see. Yep. It's interesting to see how they match up against quite scrappy teams like the Mystics. Yes. And so that's something they need to work on going forward, particularly in the playoffs where a lot of play does become quite scrappy. Yeah, a lot of I think the Liberty particularly struggled to score from beyond the arc, didn't they? It was that they were scoring better when they managed to come right in. It didn't help that UNESCO and Vandersloot were shooting pretty poorly. I think that there was a stat that the commentator mentioned. I I, I don't know if that was true because I didn't see any more threes, but at a certain stage about they didn't even score a single three 
in halftime, well, halfway through the fourth quarter, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they were really struggling to score from there, and not the best games than the others. I don't think it's funny to think that someone like Brianna Stewart though can have not a good game and have quite a lot of talk about how poor she's shooting and still manage to score twenty-seven points. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry, I just got the stats here. New York Liberty shot four from twenty-three at three-pointer. Wow, that's seventeen point four percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 is an interesting scoreline for a team who has. Van der Sloot, UNESCO, and Brianna Stewart. Yeah, all on the a team. team that often relies on a three-point shooting. Yeah, yeah. I think Liberty will be very happy to see the end of the Mystics. They turned into Absolutely. quite a nemesis team for them this season, with losing their first game to the Mystics and also their last game to the Mystics as well of regular season. So they'll be glad to see the end of them, and they'll be happy to go on to the next round. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And and to win a game that that tight, if if they had lost that game, there would be a lot of momentum going into the next game for the Mystics. So that that yes. that is a game that. I think they really wanted to wrap up. Yeah, yeah, they were pretty happy to get that one. Well, that's our recap of the three games that have been since our last recording. The the Dream and the Wings have just tipped off, so we'll see what happens that one. Maybe recap that in our next episode. But now we're going to move on to our high, low, and things we didn't know. Starting with our highs, Daniel, what has been your high of the last few days of WNBA? My high has been the three-game series for the Suns and mm. Sun and the Lynx. Look, like I said, I'll have this on tomorrow if I can. <laughs> the meeting gets moved. Despite our predictions being wrong, I was actually hoping for a little bit of a Lynx upset mm. or maybe making this game as a three-game series. So it will be really exciting. And also if the Lynx do win this, I think that the Liberty will have a slightly easier opponent in the yep, semifinals than, than against the Sun. So I think a little bit selfishly, I, I do think that this this is a high, if the, if the Lynx are able, particularly if the Lynx are able to clinch this. Yeah, that sounds about right. Who have you got your money on? Yeah, I still, I still think the Sun are going to win. Yeah. I still think the Sun are going to win. But I think it's closer than before. Yeah, do you want a bonnet going off is my, my prediction on that one. Uh, my high is, we just covered it, the super close Liberty versus Mystic series. I think you don't always get a series this hard for in the first round of playoffs. And we've been given a very big treat of those ones, particularly because it was between the second and the seventh seed. It wasn't those closer matchups where you get sort of the fourth and fifth seed. It was two teams who had quite different regular season results, but a really close series, a really scrappy series. We saw some awesome things like Natasha Cloud coming out there. We saw yeah, some great plays, and it was just super, super fun to watch. I'm sad it hasn't gone to a third game, but that was really awesome to see. Awesome. And... Do you want to talk about your lows, Esme? Yeah, my low is all still very much on the same theme here. I feel like we've been robbed of more playoffs Natasha Cloud. I would have loved to see Natasha Cloud play more in these playoffs. She was super exciting to watch this game, as we covered, scoring 33 points, getting six rebounds and nine assists, with a massive four steals as well, which is pretty impressive when you realize that she averaged 12.7, 3.7, and 6.2 in regular season. So you see here a player who has really fought hard in the playoffs and has kind of come alive. And it's really sad that we won't see more for that. I think in general, I would have loved to have seen the Liberty having to fight for their lives in Washington. I think that would have been a great game. And I think that's a particularly a low because I think that the Mystics could have actually had a real good chance to win this game. But people, uh, the likes of Aladella Don wasn't firing as much as she could have been. And I also think the Mystics did lose out on some big opportunities, most notably when Sabrina Unesco missed those two free throws with about 11, 12 seconds to go and John Carl Jones got the rebound. That would have been a great opportunity for them to get in front and probably close out the game before overtime. Yeah, it, it is sad. And I think Milo actually goes on from this. And I think we need longer playoff series. Yeah, We've I got agree. the three ga- best of three for the first round and then the best of fives 
for the semifinals and the finals. And I think the best of fives are fine, but but the best of three seems to deprive us of some really cool series. I thought that the Mystics Liberty series could have gone on for a little bit longer, and we would have had quite a few more awesome opportunities to watch these teams play. The Lynx and the Sun, I know that that, that series isn't over, but... I imagine that being a, at least a five best of five mm. series, mm. and that would really, really add more tension to that matchup. Whereas it feels like the playoffs are already short enough as it is, as a yep. whole. Um, and so it'd be really cool to see a few more games being added on, particularly in this first round section, where there actually is a real high potential for upset and there's a real high potential for some really awesome games. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a great take. I think like th- this format means that although we saw this really tight series between the Liberty and the Mystics, we actually never got to see them play in Washington. It's a shame for the Washington fans as well to not get to see a playoff game on the home court. Yeah, absolutely. And players just shining in the playoff setting, mm. like Natasha Cloud, we get to watch two games of her play in this playoffs, which feels quite sad and feels like we're being deprived of some, some really awesome action. Yeah. yeah, hopefully that will change in future. We did see, of course, this year an extra four games per team being added onto the regular season. So hopefully that theme will continue and we'll get to see more playoff games in the future. So those were our lows. And in this podcast, we're always trying to learn more, learn more about the WNBA, learn more about the players. So we'd like to share, as well as our high and our low, something that we didn't know. So what did you not know, Daniel, that you've learned in these last couple of days? Well, what I learned is after Alicia Clark was awarded sixth player of the year, that in so in the MNBA, um, we'll beep this bit out, so you might just hear a long beep here. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the MNBA, it's called the sixth man of the year. And so I, I saw a question in the WNBA forum that said, oh, why is it not called the sixth woman of the year? And so I did a bit of digging on that. And so the WNBA used to call it that but they've changed it recently to six player of the year. And the reason for that is because there are a few players, a couple of players specifically, who, who don't identify as women who play in the WNBA. Oh, wow. yeah. And so I think that's really cool. I think that's really cool, um, obviously, because of the inclusion of that. But it also, I think it's really cool because of the consistency of that. So MVP, most valuable player. Mm. MIP, most improved player. And why, why does the other one not be sixth player of the year that makes yeah. more sense to me yeah that's so a really good point. we're all for consistency and we're all for inclusion on this podcast so that that is exactly why i'm in support of sixth player of the year and i think the mmba should change it likewise as well yeah that's awesome yeah i read sixth player of the year and i didn't even think about the fact that that it is sixth man of the year in in the mmba so that, that's really cool that's a big one for wmba and another thing that the mmba can learn from that's really cool that's a great fact Mine isn't along a similar line. I'm also going to be talking about the sixth player of the year for my thing I didn't know. And that is with Alicia Clark getting that sixth player of the year means that an Aces player has won that award the last four times in the last five seasons. Yeah, I think there's a bit of favoritism there, in my opinion. You reckon? Yeah, that's a hot take. I, I reckon the Aces get really good treatment in the WNBA generally, so... That, that's a really hot take, because what I've got here, what I am interested in, is I think to get the sixth player of the year four times in the last five seasons is a really interesting stat for a team who is also known for their weakness being their lack of depth. Exactly. They, we, we're often talking about the fact that they're tired, that they don't have depth, that they're all about their starters. And then to consistently have the sixth player of the year is, is something's up there. Either you're right, Daniel, and there is a little bit of bias in the award winning, or this narrative that we have about the, the Aces' lack of depth actually may not have as much traction as we think it might do. Yeah, so I reckon some players were robbed, despite the fact that I can't name any off the top of my head right now. <laughs> Johannes, maybe, from the Liberty, that's, that's a biased perspective, obviously. But... Yeah, it, it does seem suspicious to me that the Aces have won it that many times. Yeah, well, the funny thing that we were actually talking about before is that you've got a player like Benajah Laney in the Liberty who almost feels like a sixth player. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was 
I, I think I might have called it at a different episode that Benigel Laney would win the sixth player of the year. But she's a starter. Yeah, she starts for the Liberty. It's so. just almost next to the other four really, really strong starters of the Liberty. We often see her in this. She's probably the best, least talked about player on a team, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, and perhaps, yeah, perhaps that, that might be the case. And that the Aces have such strong starters that the sixth player becomes the strongest sixth player of the, the other teams, yeah. Kia Stokes potentially robbed of sixth player of the year when Candice Parker got injured and she became a fifth player? Yeah, a sixth player of the year has always been an interesting award, regardless of what format. It, it, it happens in MNBA as well. Like, how do you classify who a sixth player is? And there must have some stats around that, but... It's fascinating to me. Yeah, absolutely. You have some players who are are just strong starters in teams who, if they were to move to, say, the Liberty or the Aces, probably would be a bench player and probably would get that award. So it's an interesting one. But it is, it is cool to honour someone who maybe isn't as in the spotlight as the starters, but actually is a big impact player and makes a lot of change. So it's a cool award in that sense, but it is a bit of a funny one. Well, that's us for this bonus episode. Join us back again. Next week. Next week. For a regular episode, we'll be sharing our headlines, our player profiles, and our hot takes, and checking in about our predictions, and seeing what else we've been wrong about in the last couple of weeks. I'm excited. You'll see you then. Kakite. Kakite.